sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. That's what we do Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct from the basement, helping us break down all the information and give us some winners. And listen, Kev, we have Cam in all the time. It's time to look at the, the golf tournament that took place last week. And I believe Cam had the winner again in our six-pack. The Spaniard, mm-hmm. John Rahm, gets it done. Had a big-time lead in the final round. Almost pissed it away uh, at the beginning of the back nine. Was bogeying a couple of holes. You know, the, the lead did, in fact, kind of tighten with him and Palmer. But he gets it done. Wins the tournament at nine under par. I mean, this was wild stuff, though. Uh, so, for people to understand how tough round four was, there were yeah. five, five golfers that shot under par on round four. That's it. The whole field, like, yeah. So John Rahm's plus three in round four, it was more than adequate, right? Like it's not like Palmer gained strokes on. I mean, he got and he was he was only a plus two, but you know what I mean? Like he didn't yeah. add to his total no, tough out there. whatsoever. Like it was, it was really. It was a wild, uh, I, for me to watch just how like difficult that was with all of the wind. Clearly, the course uh, played mm-hmm. uh, a lot harder for these guys, and that was, you know, that's one of the benefits, right, of having Cam come on. And, and you know, not only did he give us John Rom, but he said that the course was going to be a yep. little bit. He said harder. the winning number was and, not going to be kind of up by like minus twenty, like it had been yeah. in previous weeks. I think he said it would be single digits that would win this tournament. And there you are, right there, Johnny Rahm at minus nine. And what's so like for for me right now? Obviously, when it comes to golf, I'm a novice, right? But I, you know, you try and take things you know from sports and you apply it then to other sports. And I would say to myself, oh, they're going to play the same course two weeks in a row. Oh, everyone's going to do much better. They're going to be way more accustomed to it. But he let us know how the, you know, how pretty much the greens and what have you would all mm-hmm. be changing up. Won't mow the grass, we saw, yeah. yeah, we saw that take place. Um, what also, though, you know, it stood out to me is the idea of a, if there is a bad beat, Tony Finau, not with a top yeah. five finish. I mean, that had to be tough. If you were a Tony Finau backer, this guy was in the lead, I think, after the first two days. I know he was after right. the first day. I think he was still in the lead, tied for the lead after day number two. Uh, obviously, the idea of him winning felt like a long shot after day three with Rom having that four-stroke lead. But mm-hmm. my goodness, man, a plus six in round four, and he falls back to eighth. No top five finish for Tony Finau betters. That is yeah. a tough pill to swallow. I'll tell you, it could have got even worse if you were back in Gary Woodland, okay, because he was one of the leaders early in the tournament as well, and he finishes all the way back. I believe he finished at plus four, along with the likes of Rory McIlroy, Patty Cantlay, who were other big boys that we thought could perform on this course. Also, Tiger Woods missed the cut by this hair on his chin, chin, chin. So that huge odds boost that we were talking about Mm -hmm. going into this tournament did in fact cash, but not by much. You have to sweat that one out, huh, Kev? 
I, and I and I actually was following along with those live odds. At one point, they had an updated live odds on it. It was like minus thirteen hundred for him to then miss the cut, and that was when he right. was done golfing. So that thing was moving all over the place, but he did sneak his way through. Uh, luckily enough. Yeah, absolutely. And as we once again welcome in our radio audience around the country here to the early line on Sports Grid. Kev, we're looking back at what happened over the weekend, and we got to talk about UFC out there on Fight Island. And Kev, we had Jay the Sports Keg come in, right? He gave us a couple of leans and plays on three of the fights. And it sounds like we went two for one. You know, Lipsky got the job done with a crazy knee bar early oh on in that fight, right? And then Figueredo proved to be the class. Jay thought this would happen inside the distance. It happened right away. It was clear right away that Figueredo was going to get the job done and Benavidez wanted no part. We didn't get the job done with the Gastelum fight. Hermanson with a crazy heel hook to get that done. I want to tell you something, Kev. Over the card, a ton of submissions, a ton of tap-outs on the card in Abu Dhabi on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, we had three on the main card alone. Yeah. Cal- Calvin Gaslam. You know, the question I, if you remember, Dan, I asked to Jay, is he good? And it might have sounded like right. a ridiculous question, but ask that question yeah. to yourself now coming out of that fight. It just, he's kind of in no man's land, isn't he? He's lost right. three in a row. He's not going to, you know, drop the necessary weight to get himself involved at 170. Just doesn't seem big enough for these 185ers. I'm not saying that Gaslam's going to hang it up, but in terms of him making the charge back up to, the, the You know, a title fight, it's right. hard to see. I think it's really hard to see for Elvin Gaslam. That main event, though, Davison Figueredo, listen, th- this guy's no got joke. me interested in his next fight. He's got me interested yeah. in his next yeah. fight. Like, he showed yeah. up. I don't know if you saw the, 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 the look he came in with, though, but he had, like, the, you know, black rose pattern shirt, right, shades on, hands wrapped, uh-huh. just, like, looked ready to go, and, like, Man, I was I was all about it. I was all about it. Like, and but what did he deliver? Right? I mean, any idea yep. that you know he got lucky against Benavides in that first fight completely nah. put to rest, and he has the absolute opportunity here to rule at one twenty five, especially uh, with Henry Cejudo retired, and if he were to come True. back looking to get involved at one forty five, Devison Figueroa looks like he might be able to be the champion for quite some time at that division. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was another fight. Talk about some bombs being thrown in this Fiziev de Caspa. I mean, this was ridiculous. This kid, Fiziev, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Boy, did he announce himself. The kicks just sounded harder. The punches sounded harder. And we made some cash in the UFC. We turn our attention to exhibition baseball. We come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. 
right here on the early line on sports with Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh and Kev this week we have major league baseball okay I don't know how excited you are I am very excited for this and you know Kev we have talked about this a lot already in terms of our previews we'll look at some of the AL West a little bit later on in the show but Kev we also have a poll question up right now we've talked about you know, in this 60-game shortened season, the potential for some crazy things to happen, right? Especially if you look at some of the statistics. Some of the ratio stats may be in trouble, right? Could a player hit 400? Could someone pitch to a sub-1 ERA in this kind of truncated season if someone gets on a big-time hot stretch? We've talked about the potential for, you know, a closer even to put up dominant stats that could make them contend for the Cy Young. And we've also discussed, you know, what would be the highest total of, say, like, home runs or ribbies or something like stolen bases. And I want to let the people know, Kev, we have a poll up right now that you can find at SportsGrid, at Spit and Speeds, at the Kevin Walsh about, you know, one of these unique outcomes. I personally voted for someone pitching to a sub one ERA. What do you think about this, Kev? The idea is that some of these records will fall. Some of the stats will look different in this truncated season. No, I should. I guess I should get clarification. I mean, I know we're the ones who put the poll up. The reason I didn't vote for under one ERA is I kind of only went starting pitchers in my mind. And I'd like to think you did as well. Because I mm. think for a relief pitcher, that, that almost feels likely, I might even argue to you. Uh, right. I voted for the closer Cy Young. Now, I don't know if that means that I think it's more likely than the other three. But that's something, Dane, that you know, kind of I came across a while back. And we both talked it out. And was like, no, like, this, isn't mm-hmm. like, this makes a lot of sense. And I'm just going to keep rolling with this idea. That one of like Hader or Chapman are going to win a Cy Young or at least finish top three. Like I'd take a lot of, uh, I'd be pretty satisfied if even if they could get themselves like on that final ballot. Um, I just, I think it's possible. I, I just think we are looking at such a different season, man, that I could see a world where something like that takes place. Yep. And then over the weekend, though, we started to see what are like these summer camp games. You see some of the scores up on the board from over the weekend. The Yankees got it done over the Mets, as I mentioned before, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton hitting bombs. The Phillies got it done both, uh, you know, beating the Nationals, losing to the Orioles. You see battles of Chicago, White Sox and Cubs. And this is where we're starting to see, you know, teams playing other teams that are close to them geographically, right? And that's what we're going to see a ton of, you know, the Diamondbacks playing the Dodgers, the Mets playing the Yankees, the Battle of Chicago, team like Baltimore and Philly, they are close to each other. Remember, the schedule this season, right, Kev, over the 60 games, you're going to have 40 against your own division, 20 against the other, like, you know, geographic division. So for the teams in the AL East, they were playing the NL East. And we look now at the matchups. The first one I want to discuss, Kev, is the Phillies and the Yankees. This will be taking place in the Bronx in an empty stadium. And I wanted to ask you about this one, Kev, because two players in these games have been making news because of, you know, how they are protecting themselves with COVID-19 out there. The Phillies and the Yankees. For the Yankees, Clint Frazier, and for the Phillies, Didi Gregorius. They have both said that during games, they're going to wear masks, okay? Frazier in the outfield, Didi at at shortstop, and in the batter's box, they're going to wear masks during the games. Clint Frazier caught heat from this. They both have, whether it's high risk or just being an abundance of caution, I find this interesting. We're going to see masks on the field when the Phillies play the Yankees tonight. 
Yeah, and you know what? Good for them. They both went yard. They both went yard in their masks. Okay? There you go. They both rule, and they're awesome. I can't believe. I mean, when I say I can't believe, I believe it because of the world we live in. But really, like, how you possibly, like, people could be upset that these guys are wearing masks while playing. Like, like, you know what? I think it's great. I I think they're going out there, and, and if anything, they're probably giving some people some reassurance that it's okay to wear masks. Like, think about when you were young, Dane, right? And some of the people that you looked up to, right? A lot of times, like, it is athletes. Like, I bet you could find, like, you know, when, you know, you're probably in, like, the, the second grade, and you got to do a bio, right? And it's, like, sure. favorite food, favorite color, like, like who's right. your hero? And mine was, like, Shaquille O'Neal. Like, you know what? And then if I came across and Diesel's got a mask on, probably going to mask up if I was on the fence, right? Because you want to look <laughs> like those guys. So I think it's an awesome I want to be, I want to be like Mike. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. They have made, you know, ad campaigns about it. So I could hear that and less. Uh, we here at the Early Line Tipper cap a nice positive example to show for both Clint Frazier and Didi Gregorius. The fact that they could go yaya in the mask means that you could wear one on the street as well. Another game that is interesting to me is right there in the Beltway. The Orioles of Baltimore take on the Washington Nationals. And Kev, this is interesting to me because I mentioned to you the schedule imbalance, right? You're playing 20 games against that other geographic division. And you're also playing six against like this natural rival. So for the Nationals, and remember this NL East is so tight, right? The win totals for the four contenders is literally between two games, right? So when I look and I'm reminded when I see the Nationals have the Orioles and their kind of little summer camp meeting, I'm also reminded of what the imbalance this may cause with the quote unquote natural rivalry. These Nationals are going to get six games against the Orioles. Where in the same spot, the Mets will get six games against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference, right? Sure. I'm going to assume the Nationals, let's say they can go five and one in those games. Let's say the Mets go three and three or even two and four. That's a difference of two to three games right there. And guess what? The win total in this division, they're all separated by two. Is this enough for you, Kevin, to potentially shift the balance of power in the NL East, given those natural rivalry games? Yeah, and we've talked about the idea, right, of strength of schedule mattering maybe for the first time when you think about a baseball season, just because we're now down all the way to 60 games, right? And that's a lot of, like, that's a, it's not just a lot less than the usual 162, but like, you know, an NBA season's 81 games, right? Like you, or, right? So you've moved down or 82 games rather. Uh, like you, we've, you, you dropped it a lot to where you can start to think about those things. I guess though, there could also be an argument as, as much as yes, like more games against the Orioles or the Tigers or the Pirates, all of that yeah. is great, but you're going to play your division so much that yeah. There is an argument to be made maybe where just the best teams are going to come out on top because it's really in your own hands. It, you, you can't like look across and as much as, again, you know, a couple more games against the Orioles, whatever it might be. But like the end of the day, like you're going to see if you're the Washington Nationals or the New York Mets, one another, right? So often along with the Phillies and the Braves yeah. that if the now and, and maybe then it might just say, though, that the margins are going to be so razor thin that it does come down to whether I play the Orioles or the Yankees six times. And I think that's totally fair. But you're going to have that opportunity to play in your division so much that I don't think you could say, oh, it's not fair because of this schedule quirk. 
Yeah, fair enough. For the NL East teams, you know, to your point, it may actually be decided by who truly takes care of business against the Marlins, right? Like if the yes, Marlins split yes. against one of those teams, then if the Marlins happen to split against, oh, I don't know, call it the Braves, then the Braves are SOL for the rest of the season because they're going to compete against the gauntlet that is the rest of the division, right? And I say that also in the Central where you got the Indians playing the Pirates today, you got the Cubs and the White Sox. In those divisions, the same thing may apply. In the NL Central, it may be who, you know, puts the Pirates to bed and takes care of business that way. And then in the AL Central with teams like the White Sox, it may be about who can do the best against the Tigers and the Royals. When I look at the White Sox, though, listen, already some guys on the DL, Kopech, one of their young studs, has opted out of the season. Are you still as high on the White Sox as you once were? I'm, 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 look, I'm interested by the White Sox. I'm not sure if Kopech is the make-or-break player, but that Indians-Pirates game of these two is the one that really catches my attention because it's the type of game, though, Dane, to your point earlier, when we see it on the slate, must win is a stretch, but it's important for the Indians to win every single game that they play up against right. the Pirates, right? So, again, must win mm -hmm. a stretch, but if they lose, say, the first game of a set, then, well, they better come back around and get the second game of a set. No, absolutely, and, and that may be the way we look at it, right? When these doormats of the Central, the Tigers, the Royals, the Pirates, when they play, these other contending teams must Take care of business. We look at some other games in the summer camp schedule of Major League Baseball when we come back. But right now, let's get a news update from our guy, Dan Stratford, here on SportsGrid. It ain't just be some exhibition games, but we do have a full slate of MLB games on tap for Monday night. We've almost made it to major sports back in our lives. The Nationals will take on the Orioles, the Royals, and Astros will square off, and the Giants and A's will play out on the West Coast, among other games. Some scores to report from Sunday. The Yankees used five home runs to beat the Mets 6 to nothing at Yankee Stadium in their second exhibition game of summer camp. Aaron Judge hit two of those homers, which is surely a good sign as the slugger had been struggling to get healthy so far this summer. The Orioles beat the Phillies 4-1. to As well, pitcher Julio Terran said Sunday that his delay in reporting to the LA Angels summer camp was because he did in fact test positive for the coronavirus. The right-hander said he began to have symptoms two days before the start of camp. He was later tested and the result did come back positive. He made his comments during a Zoom call with reporters. Terran said his wife and son also tested positive but were asymptomatic. Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox was removed from Sunday's intra-squad game at Fenway Park due to a tight hamstring. In the NBA, Thomas Bryant said he's a full go for the season's restart in Orlando. He had been tested positive for COVID-19. Michael Kick Gilchrist has arrived in Orlando to join his Mavericks teammate. He has been out due to logistical problems. Demonis Sabonis has been limited by foot soreness during his recent practices in Orlando with the Indiana Pacers. That's going to coach Nick McMillan. He'll miss the next few days at least. In the NFL, NFL players took to Twitter on Sunday in what seemed to be and proved to be a coordinated effort to urge the NFL to listen to its experts' guidelines on safely opening training camps amid the coronavirus pandemic. Many of the players used the hashtag 
We want to play to accompany their tweets. NFL Player Association President J.C. Treader tweeted, quote, What you are seeing today is our guys standing up for each other and for the work their union leadership has done to keep everyone as safe as possible. The NFL needs to listen to our union and adopt the experts' recommendations. Hashtag, we want to play. The idea for the tweets apparently came from Miami Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones. This is according to a report over on ESPN, who suggested the idea on one of the players' internal planning calls Sunday. That's according to ESPN's Dan Graziano. Jones' idea, the source said, was get to get the message out to the public that the players want to play, but that they want the teams to make sure it's as safe as possible, that it wasn't about players just looking out for their money or not wanting to show up for camp. And news from Sunday from the Memorial Golf Tournament, Jack Nicholas revealed during the CBS telecast that he and his wife have, in fact, tested positive in the past for the coronavirus. That was at the onset of the pandemic. Nicholas and his wife, Barbara, turned 80 a month apart at the start of the year. He said his wife had had no symptoms while he had a sore throat and a cough. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. We also welcome back in our radio audience right here as Kevin and I are breaking down the kind of summer camp exhibition slate. We will have opening day later on this week. We're excited. We got to look at what some of these teams are doing. Kev, we also have a poll question up that I want to check in on, on some unique feats that will be possible here in this kind of truncated shortened season. Right now, Kev, a third of the people who are voting are saying it is possible someone could hit 400 in this season. Uh, Kev, you think that's viable? Listen, a two-month hot stretch always happens. You know, we see by the end of May, someone hitting like 385 almost every year. You think that's going to go down this year? Uh, Maybe. Uh, You could see it, right? You could see a guy getting close. I'll let people know, if you believe in it strongly, uh, that is one of the season specials that are now over at the FanDuel Sportsbook that uh, I know Dane and I will certainly... uh, be looking at as we, you know, gear up towards the start of this season. Uh, Will any player hit 400 or better? Plus 700, yes. Uh, Minus 1,100 for no. Interesting. Absolutely interesting there. Um, So I actually think it's possible. I don't know if someone gets up to a hot start, you know, we shall see someone who could get off to a hot start because there's no fans in the stands. Maybe they truly don't need the garbage can banging is Jose Altuve. Maybe he can contend for something like that. They will be seeing the Kansas City Royals in a summer camp game at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City today. When I think about the Astros, we do have to make this note, Kev, um, Roberto Ozuna is behind schedule, okay? He is the Astros' closer. We heard last week that another one of their stud bullpen guys, Joe Smith, has opted out of the 2020 season. Now, Roberto Ozuna is behind. He's not even throwing off a mound just yet, Kevin. He's their closer. You got, like, your eighth inning guy out there. Some other injuries in the Houston pen as well. Does this give you any cause for concern? You know, we've been thinking the bullpen will be higher leverage this year than most. And, you know, one of their studs has opted out for Houston. Now the Astros closer, Roberto Ozuna, he cites kind of, he was in Mexico for the shutdown, not being able really to uh, work out as much, maybe down in Mexico during the shutdown, still hasn't thrown off a mound. Now, can he get back and going into shape real quick? Maybe, right? But the clock is ticking. They got games this week. Is there any concern for you with the Astros' pen? They take on the Kansas City Royals today. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, this is an Astros team. We, you know, we're going to start to look at the AL West as we get closer. Man, right. We are really right on the cusp of the season starting. It is exciting. But this is an Astros team that pitching as a whole, right? They saw Will Harris leave. They saw Garrett Cole, of course, leave, right? No Osuna. You mentioned yeah. Joe Smith's opt out. Like, that's a lot of names. And I think that's the thing when it comes to this upcoming season. As many names as possible, as many bodies as possible, whatever it's going to take to get through this type of season, you want as many arms at your disposal as you could possibly imagine. And the Astros have lost a lot of guys, and they can put a lot of resources towards adding to either that rotation or that bullpen. So they're one of those odds-on favorites to win their division at a minus-145 number. And that's certainly not the direction that I would be looking to go when it comes to the AL West. All right, we'll talk about that direction you want to go in a hot second. I do want to talk about one other game that is going today. The San Diego Padres will host the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Remember, they're keeping it geographically close. That's going on at Petco Park in the lovely city of San Diego. I mentioned the Padres, Kev. Because there was a trade last week. You just talked about the Astros and why it was concerning is because you need as many arms as possible at your disposal. We've talked about the importance potentially of bullpen arms specifically. And there was a trade from the Kansas City Royals we just discussed for the San Diego Padres. The Royals have acquired outfielder Frenchie Cordero from the Padres. The Padres get Tim Hill back, who is a lefty reliever. Now, Cordero. We know has power. We know can play those outfield spots. But remember, the Padres outfield is starting to get a little bit crowded. But they wanted the arm. They wanted the left-handed reliever in Tim Hill. And does this go to the point, Kev, you know, the Padres are a team that we are sort of looking at that may be young and take a jump forward. I know there's something like 7-1 to win the division. We know the Dodgers are the big boys there. But we've been talking about young teams like the White Sox, like the Reds, like the Blue Jays. I'll throw the Padres into that discussion. We know about the kids that are coming up. Even rookies like Mackenzie Gore could have a huge impact for them. It looks like they want more arms at their disposal to take the kind of phrase you use, getting a lefty reliever. They may be going for it this year, Kev. Yeah, and I think the big thing for me, just from a you know, a far back perspective is we've already seen a trade before this season started, right? I mean, I think from some of the conversations we've had, we've wondered how many trades would we really see? And because of the the limitations on players available to make trades, and obviously the idea of like, if you trade for someone, are they going to have to enter a quarantine? I don't even know what the protocols for that are going to be. The fact that we already saw a trade before the season got underway, I think that that's exciting because I am someone who loves the MLB trade deadline, right? I, I find it, it, you know, it was always a deadline that delivered, right, for the most part. I think in the past couple of years, maybe it's tailed off a bit. Um, but, you know, guys go for it, right? Teams go for it at that deadline. And if we've got, you know, more teams in the mix, then I think, I or at least I think that could be the case when we come up against this deadline here. Yeah, absolutely. So we will see. But I do think, The fact that the Padres are moving away power and getting in bullpen thinks that they're ready to look at the next phase of contending, especially in this elongated, not elongated season, truncated season, (laughs) if you want to know the truth, right? So the Padres are one of those teams. They are the second choice 
right now in the National League West. And when I look at their team total, you know, it's better than it has been in previous years. You know what I mean, Kev? They are kind of one of these teams on the move. Their win total is 30 and a half. So there are, you know, and the, the juice is on the over. Okay, minus 118 for over 30 and a half. So the conventional wisdom is that the Padres will be over 500. That'll be the first time in a long time. Maybe all the pieces finally come together. You know I love Chris Paddock, Lament, and others. You know, keep an eye on this team. Maybe they're too dumb to not know what they not know, too young and dumb (laughs) to not know what they don't know, and could really surprise some people this year. Absolutely. And I think, man, I'll tell you this much. Manny Machado got a pretty bad rap for this decision to join this team. True. He signed there for, what, a decade, right? You sure. look at the way that their form system was set up. They were a team that was eventually going to come around and be set to contend. And you see that because of young guys like Chris Paddock, like Fernando Tatis. Yeah. And this is a team, though, that you know has some young guys, but they also do have mm-hmm. star power. Like, you know, you talk oh, yeah. about Manny Machado, right? Like, they signed Eric Cosmer. Will Myers can still yeah. swing the stick. Sure. Like, this is a Padres team where, now again, I don't know if you're going to push the envelope, win the division, Dodgers are the Dodgers for a reason. But getting over on a 30-and-a-half number, could this team win 32, 33 games? I think it's possible. And compete for a wild card spot? I definitely think it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget about young stud Fernando. Show me your Tatis in the middle of that lineup. They also traded for Tommy Pham as well. So the lineup is there. And then when you talk about arms, there is no more prize prospect, Kev, than Mackenzie Gore, right? Who may they may bring up some of these kids. Mackenzie Gore plus 1,200, 12 to 1 right now, tied with Dustin May as the fifth choice for the NL Rookie of the Year. So I think the arrow is certainly pointing up when it comes to the San Diego Padres. In the last game, I want to talk about a battle of the Bay. We've got the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland Athletics. I bring up the Oakland A's, Kev, because they're a team to me, similar to like the Tampa Bay Rays. They're always there. They are always Mm -hmm. there. Their pitching is good, is underrated, in my opinion. And they got all the makings of a contender. When you look at the top of that rotation, Manaya, you know how much I love Lazardo coming back. They even have the innings eaters in fires. They are loaded and can fly under the radar. What do you think about this Oakland A's team this year? Well, I'll tell you the big thing that the A's have going for them. The best nickname in baseball. Laser Ramon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Find me a better nickname. I'll wait. That's one of the best nicknames, period. For let alone baseball nicknames. So right away for me, that's how you get me in the door. It doesn't hurt that they, as you mentioned, do have a, a very, very solid starting rotation. I think there's a lot of excitement about what Frankie Montas could bring for this team, but I believe was named to be their opening day uh, starting pitcher. And then, look, this lineup, there's a lot of talent there, man. And Matt Chapman is someone that, when we look through, I think, the American League MVP race, you know, mm. the fact that there's going to be a little bit more variance, I don't know if Trout's going to be able to run away with this thing. Plus, is it up in the air about whether he's going to play a full 60 because of the expected, uh, his wife being right. expecting. If this A's team goes out there and wins, uh, a, you know, an American League West that still looks to be competitive, could Matt Chapman find himself in that discussion for MVP? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and when you talk about this, for me, you know, I always look at the rotation, right? You talk about Montez. I see Manaya, 
We know Fires is there. Fires threw a no-hitter. And then I'm hyped on Jesus Lazardo, right? Let me tell you something else. There's also, I mentioned Mackenzie Gore for the Padres. There's also A.J. Puck there for the Oakland A's. They've got a ton of young studs. When I look at the AL Rookie of the Year Award, yeah, Jesus Lazardo is the second choice at plus 350. And then A.J. Puck is the fifth choice at 10 to 1. They've got young kids for days. And you talked also about, you know, Chapman and others. Um, there's Simeon right there in Oakland as well, who is underrepresented. When I see the Oakland A's at plus 230 to win the division, I know everyone's on Houston. We'll talk about them next. And other news and notes, other new faces in the AL West. We continue to preview the AL West, which I think could be a very interesting division when we come back. Will it wear on the Houston Astros? What's the impact of no garbage cans, no fans? We'll talk about it all when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, putting the fun and functional sports content every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. with my main man, Kevin Walsh, live and direct from the basement. Kevin, we got a poll question up, and we're wondering in this shortened season, you know, what crazy things could we see? Will someone hit 400? Will someone, will a closer potentially win the Cy Young? Could someone pitch to a sub one ERA? And will someone almost go like 2020 in this kind of season right now? A third of the people, 33% say what's most likely to happen is someone hit 400. 30% though say someone may be able to hit 20 home runs. And as I go into our AL West preview, maybe that person is Mike Trout, right? The undisputed best player in baseball. At least that's the conventional wisdom. But Kev, I got to ask you about these angels in the AL West. You know, I'm high on them, right? But yeah, Mike Trout is saying he's going to leave when his kid is born, right? So yeah. what happens? Like our friend George Kurtz gave me an idea. What happens if Mike Trout leaves when his kid is born, it's supposed to be gone for whatever it is, 10 days, two negative tests, what have you. But at that point, Kev, we're 20 games through a 60-game season, and the Angels are 7-13. and 13. At that point, and Mike Trout has a newborn baby to potentially spend time with. Is it viable that he's like, eh, I'm good. I ain't coming back. We ain't got a chance to win the same way Damian Lillard did not want to come back if there was no chance to win the NBA title. What happens if players that are going to return are going to be like, nah, we're out of it. I'm good. Or even, Kev, they look on when they come back from the IL stint, right? And in this division, they got a road trip to San Diego, a road trip to Arizona, some games in the spiking state of California. Is there the potential in this Western division for players, whether right out the gate, when they come back, if their teams are out of it, to be like, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going home. I mean, this is why I think as much as all of the points that you've made previously about the Angels, I can't come around on them. 
And I'll preface okay. that by saying, I totally understand what Mike Trout's doing. Of course, it's the right move yeah. if you're bringing a, a kid into this world. But I don't know how you can back this team. If you pretty much know that Mike Trout's going to miss a third of the season, I, I mean, forget. See, because to me, right, like 7 and 13, we've talked about this too much. They're still in the running. Are they really out of it? Right, right, right. Right? They'll still be in the running, right? That's not the concern. That's not, And also, that's not the guy Mike Trout is, right? If that was his thought process, he doesn't sign the deal he signs with them, and he looks to move elsewhere, right? Plus, they brought Anthony Rendon. Like, I don't think that's going to also, I don't think that's going to be the case, right? Like, and they bring Anthony Rendon in. Everybody's excited about Shohei Otani. The, the concern, though, is trying to figure out the time frame. So if she is expected right. to deliver, say, you know, five days from now, right? And, that, you know, like, if he's making this decision, say, on day six of the season, right? Sure. And, you know, she's supposed to deliver five days. We probably have to leave um, immediately to begin a little bit of a quarantine process to make sure that he can be at the hospital with right. her. Then is going to probably want to spend a bit of time with his newborn. Maybe that's another four days. Then has to potentially undergo a quarantine slash testing protocol to get back on the field. Maybe that's another five days. I, and I mean, I think I've shorted everything here pretty significantly, but that's still 15 days. I mean, that's still going to be 13 games. I mean, that's it's a lot of baseball no, I hear you. in a 60-game season that they're almost guaranteed to be without their best players. So that's the struggle for me when it comes to betting the Angels. Do I think this sure. team has the potential to go out there and be great? I do. But the fact that I almost know that I could be losing Trout for a third of this season, it's hard, man. It's hard to get around on this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. They do have the other MVP as well now in their lineup with Anthony Rendon. I think there's definitely reasons to be excited about this offense. Rendon, Trout, we mentioned Otani, who I believe will be a hitter, what, four or five days a week. Justin Upton, who is streaky. Albert Pujols, who you may be able to manage over the course of 60 games. And when we're talking about young kids coming up, Joe Adele is one of the prize prospects in this system. But listen, the Angels are not the only team with a pretty good offense. All right. Major League Baseball, MLB.com yeah. came out with the top 10 offenses or lineups in baseball. The Angels were on the list. The Oakland Athletics were on the list. And, of course, the Houston Astros were on the list as well. The, the question for me becomes, how much regression might you expect? Because, you know, they were cheating over the last few years, right? On the one hand, we thought maybe without the benefit of the garbage can or the buzzers, whatever, there would be some regression. But these are professionals hitters, right? Michael Brantley, Jose Altuve, guys like Springer and Bregman have incredible talent, Correa as well. You know, how much of an impact do you think this will have, especially buoyed by the fact that they may not get the hate and vitriol and microphones in their face like they would have if there were fans in the stands and if this story and scandal wasn't pushed to the sidelines with all the other things that have been going on in this country. Do you expect offensive regression from the Houston Astros? Because if you do, I might be primed to pick one of these other teams. Yeah, I do. I, and I, it's hard. It's hard to tell, though, Dane. I, I mean, like, so I think about a guy like Alex Bregman, right? Right. Alex Bregman was one of the best players, like, one of the best prospects in baseball. He was supposed yeah. to be as good as he is. Michael Brantley was doing it in Cleveland. 
long before he got there. Considering kind of the timing, you know, they said that the cheating began in 2017. I mean, in 2014, Jose Altuve batted 341. Like, so it's, it's hard to say that Altuve, right. Bregman, Brantley are going to fall off of a cliff, right? Barry Bonds was a three-time NL MVP before he ever started steroids, and he's not in the Hall of I mean, right. So, like, that's kind of a... It's hard to tell how much, if, if any, if regression is going to be there, right? They lose Hinch, but they bring in an obviously very well-respected guy in Dusty Baker. I think sure. it might be thinking with my heart to tell you that Jose Altuve is going to go out there and bat 212, right? Because of how annoyed I am by everything that transpired. And by the way, just to clear this up, he sent his team to the World Series with a walk-off homer, and all he could think about was that shirt getting ripped off. That's all the proof I've ever needed. That that dude had a because of a tattoo, or or his wife oh, didn't please. want to wash the he clothes. Said, Come on, dude. Clearly, Come on, that dude. was the reason. Let me ask you though: one of the Astros who have been outspoken, kind of defending everybody uh, since this scandal hit, was their shortstop, their young Puerto Rican shortstop, Carlos Correa. And I got to tell you something, Kev, he's my diamond in the rough in this um, in this division. Okay, Carlos Correa has struggled with injuries across his career, but if he is healthy for a 60-game set, I'm telling you, he has just as much natural talent as Bregman, as Springer, as the rest of them. And Kev, here's the part that I will tell you as a relative value. In the world of fantasy baseball, Kev, what if I told you that he was going off the board as shortstop? Are you ready for this, Kev? Shortstop? 16 off the board. Oh, wow. Okay. Not even a starter. Okay. People, young kids on the Toronto Blue Jays are going ahead of him. Mark Tate going ahead of him. In a 12 team league, that means Carlos Correa, with his war of 3.5 last year, is not even a starter. I think that's a little ridiculous. I think he's in the middle of a lineup that will still produce Carlos Correa, and it has no Barry, on the fact that I am also Puerto Riqueño like him, Carlos Correa is my diamond in the rough in this division. I think it's criminal that he's outside the top 15 in shortstop ranks. Yeah, it was actually funny. Um, as you said he was your diamond, I'm going to be like, ooh, Dane, I don't know about that. I, I, just the injury. But when you go to the value, it, it, you can't argue it any other way. You cannot argue it any other way. If he's going to go outside of the top 15 at shortstops, I mean, this is a guy that, even if he's banged up a little bit, can give you top 10 shortstop production. And if he plays the full season, yes, he can push Lindor. I, I, of course, he can, he can push for the best shortstop in the American League. So, I, I mean, I think- Kevin, here are some of these names that are above him, okay? Just for context, okay? I'm not even talking about the big boys at the top, right? The top five shortstop, Lindor, Turner, Story, Bregman, Tatis. I'll give you Baez at six. No problem. Torrent Glaber is in there ahead of him. I got that. Machado, I understand with the eligibility. But here are some of the names that are above Carlos Correa, Kev. Tim Anderson in Chicago. Jonathan Villar in Miami. Simeon, also in this division in Oakland. Uh, Kettle Marte in Arizona. Bo Bichette, the kid in Toronto. The kid in Kansas City. Mondesi, who will steal bases, but they don't have the pedigree of Carlos Correa, in my opinion, or the potential in the lineup of the Houston Astros. I think, though, if I were to justify that ADP, it splits the difference. If he's healthy, 
he's obviously going to be a top 10 shortstop. If he's yeah. not, that 15's the value. Forget the value. He's not going to play. He's not going to play. And this is actually something that you and I were talking a little bit about off air, right? About trying to put value on injuries. Are you more concerned because a, a minor injury misses half the year? Are you less right. concerned because there's less time to get hurt? Put it this way. Okay, 2017, he played 109 games. 2018, 110. And then 2019, right. he played 75 games. I mean, you go yeah. through that amount of games missed, right? Because that's one of the things. I don't know if you can really prorate games missed. Like, the days you're not healthy are the days you're not healthy. So, sure. like, you look at it last year playing 75 games, right? Like, that's a lot of baseball that he missed, right? Well over 60 games. Well over 60 games. Uh, you know, more than half the season, in fact. So, that would be the struggle. But I think, Dane, the difference in him being a diamond versus a Fugazi is you go from, oh, I'm fading him at his ADP to I'm buying him at his ADP. Right. And I think, though, when you're trying to draft in a season like this, that's probably your best approach. Yeah, absolutely. And, Kevin, if I'm at that level, right, of the draft or whatever, I'm looking for guys with the potential to be pop for me, to win leagues. So the idea that the gamble is only on Correa's availability and not his yeah. talent is something that is appealing to me. What about you, Kev? As we look at the AL West, right, whether it's a team or a specific player, you talked about my Fugazis, people to forget about. It's not Correa. I think the talent is there. Who might you be fading or buying in this division? I think to some degree, I have to back off Justin Verlander. I mentioned the, the Astros as a whole, I'm concerned. Now, I understand that Justin Verlander, right, is expected to go out there and, you know, be a top five guy. But at his age, I right. just, I'm not sold. Well, Kate Upton keeps him young, though. I guess. Or maybe <laughs> tire him out. We don't know. You never know. Like, I just. I, I think during this season, like I even like we saw Max Scherzer the other day get lit up a little bit, right? In that, right? Bryce Harper took him deep, MVP. Didi Gregorius took him deep, best player on the world. Like, so, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just, it's a season two where if you can get off that slow start, it's going to be difficult. You're obviously going to be p- paying a premium for a guy like Justin Verlander. I, I would be a little bit concerned. When it comes to something like that, the one other pitcher I want to make sure we mention, though, if we're talking AL West, is Corey Kluber, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about new faces and new places. Corey Kluber now leaves the Central, comes over to the West. He's now with the Texas Rangers. The question for Kluber is, does he finish with the Texas Rangers uh, this season? That is interesting. New face in a new place. And Texas has a new stadium. So talk about a new place. And then you see the division <laughs> on, on the screen as well. The Houston Astros remain big time favorites in this division. When we come back, we see what's going on in the morning after with Ariel and Jared. Make our pace. Check on the poll. A lot to still do here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I wrapping up another edition of the early line. Kev, I got to tell you, I'm going to go back to the well here. NYCFC plus 115. If they ain't get it done now against an expansion team, then when can I back them? I'm going to go one more time with NYCFC plus 115. That's the breakfast matchup, Kev. I know, though, that tonight's matchup, the Philly Orlando, going on at 8 p.m., you'll be covering it right here on SportsGrid, right? That's right. If you want the plays, come check us out tonight. In-game live is back. Myself and uh, Scott Wetzel will have you covered from 8 to 10 on the grid. In-game live is back. Don't miss it. Absolutely. Follow those live lines. I already told you if the Orioles ever get up one nothing, hammer it. <laughs> and Kevin Walsh will be telling you how to do so. The morning after is up next here on SportsGrid. And we've got our friend Ariel Epstein joining us now for a couple of minutes. Ariel, we're here. We are here. It is baseball season. I know you saw the Mets and the Yankees did a huge number. What is your level of excitement for actually the crack of the bat, Cracker Jacks? We're not high-fiving anyone to celebrate, but I don't know about you. I'm excited for baseball this week. I cannot wait, Dan. Good morning to you and Kevin. I have a countdown until Thursday. I already have my plan set in place. Papa Marty's coming over. My dad, nice. my brother. We kicked my mom out. She's going to the beach with her friends. It's going to be us just hanging out, watching baseball all night long Thursday night. Absolutely, and Ariel, we put up a poll question today because it's a real short season, right? So some unique things can happen. Could someone hit over 400? Could a reliever win the Cy Young? Can someone pitch to a sub-1 ERA? We are in for an exciting sprint of 60 games for maybe a champion. Yeah, that's what I think I'm most excited for. I know people would say, well, you love baseball. You loved, you know, you're an old timer. You like the old situation that we used to have. Of course I did in 162. Yet this is different and we don't know what's it going to happen, be. which I think makes it more exciting. Absolutely. Jared and Ariel are up next to discuss it all on the morning after giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.